Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Joel. Um, I'm the one that you're sorry to get up for, I guess. Thank you, Shrek. That's wonderful. Um, anyway, um, my name is Joel, and there's a number of you that I probably have not met or maybe have not even seen in a while, and it is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, I have been doing some stuff with a different church over the last couple of months, so I've missed you. Some of you may think it had something to do with a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, that's a while ago, so that's all in the past now. Teams don't win. I'm a big Eels fan for those of you that don't know, and I believe that may have been the last time that I was here with you or right around then. So anyway, I'm a little still, I'm still a little salty about that, as you can tell, but no, um, it is great to be here with you this morning. So, so happy to be, be here this morning. As we come together, uh, we are in this series, you are in this series called In Tune, and I, I love listening to it. I love listening to uh, Pastor Tim last week as he spoke, and we are in week three of this series, and the idea of being in tune is we want to bring our lives into harmony, right? We want to bring our lives into harmony with God, but in tune really means more than that. It means, right, it means being in tune with something, right, to bring into harmony, um, just think about that in your own life. When there's harmony, life seems to go a little smoother, correct? Uh, a number of years ago, well, when I first graduated from college, I bought a brand new car. Um, that was a bad plan. That wasn't in tune with my budget at the time, okay? But five years later, I still have that car, and it was run, run, running great. And my brother and I traded cars for a moment, uh, uh, for a week. I was probably using his to move something. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. But when I got my car back, there was something wrong, right? And I'm like, what? My brother is much better with cars than I am. So I was surprised, first of all, that he didn't notice it or say something to me. But I'm like, what's wrong with my car? You know, you didn't have cell phones back then. I'm old, so you couldn't just call him and say, what in the world did you do? But I remember driving him there like, what, what did he do? What, what happened, right? And as I'm driving uh, down, as I'm going back home and everything like that, it's, it's just bad and it's noticeable to me and I hadn't noticed it before. So I take it into the shop. Um, my brother is very good to me with cars. Through, he's older than me, he was, so I couldn't complain to him. All right, I'm not complaining to him, but, but I take it into the shop and what do I find out? Um, for those of you that like cars, there's a cam in there that spins, and the cam spins, and it makes, your, it makes your cylinders fire, right, or something along those lines there. Those of you that don't like cars, don't care, all, this, all that to say this. On that cam, there's, there's basically like kind of an oval-shaped thing that's supposed to spin, and when, a, when the higher end hit kicks, it kicks the one, and it just spins and keeps spinning and keeps spinning. Those of you that know more about cars, you're all like, Joel, you know nothing as well. I don't claim to know a lot. I just know a little bit there, and that's what the, the, the mechanic even showed me. Mine was worn down, and it was just a circle, so it wasn't kicking. So instead of running on all six cylinders, it's running on five. And you notice it. It was nothing to do with my brother. He hadn't done anything. It was just the car itself, all right? It was no longer in tune, and it wasn't running the way that I would have preferred that it would run. So when we are in tune, we are, we are in precise function, the intensity or effectiveness of what we want things to be in tune. That's a car. It can be fixed. But in life, sometimes we have these things called relationships. And when relationships get out of tune, when they get broken, right, 
It's not always easy enough to just run it to the mechanic and hand it off to the mechanic and he puts a new cam in it or whatever it is. By the way, the new cam, that put my budget even more out of alignment, right? You're familiar with that. But, but regardless, we, when, when it comes to a relationship, right, it's harder. We want those to be in tune. And as we look this week at this idea of in tune, right? Week, week one, we talked about fasting, getting ourselves right with God. Week two, it was about worship and all of life is worship. And we just finished singing, the Lord is in this place, right? And it was wonderful. And we would want you to be reminded that guess what? This place is not the building. This place is the person. It's you, the church, right? You're the church. The building is the place that we come and join together. The Lord is in this place? And do we allow him to be in this place during the week or is it just on Sunday when we sing great songs, right? What a great, what a great song that was. What great singing that was. And, I, and I'm reminded in there, the words in that song, in my weakness, in my weakness, your glory appears. Wow, they did a great job of leading us in singing that. And worship is all of my life. This week, we, we want to talk about what holds us back sometimes. And what holds us back, it's not the person next to you. It's not those kids. It's not those parents. It's not that teacher. It's not that boss, right? What holds us back too often is what's in here, right? It's what happens in here. It's what gets stuck in here. And sometimes we just, we're messed up in our own, in our own lives and our own thinking and we can't fix it. And we've tried to, and we've tried to. Paul Kind of said it this way. He said, we want to adjust our walk, our thoughts, our emotions, right? We want to adjust our emotions to, our, to daily, to work and according to the precise function for which they were. You see, we are, cre- we are God's workmanship. What? Created to do good works in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. I reworded it just to go this way a little bit. We want to adjust our walks and our thoughts, our emotions, daily, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, every moment of my life, I want to be walking along and I want to be changing. I want to be more like Christ. And I realize that oof, I get in my own way. The Bible, the Bible, which we, we come to talk about, which we come to study, which we always want to learn, is, is amazing in, in that it tells us about our God. And when we learn about our God, there's something different about our God than other gods. Our Bible from beginning to end wants to talk about an idea of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It wants to talk about having a relationship with God. Thus, when we start at the beginning in Genesis, there's a relationship with God and it's broken and God doesn't just condemn man, right? But he comes looking for him and says, I have a plan that is going to bring you back, right? All the way to the end, to the book of Revelation, God isn't seeking to have a relationship with us. What is he looking for? He's looking for intimacy. Think about that in your life. Intimacy. Has there ever been that person that's just drawn, you're drawn to and you wanted to have a relationship with them? You wanted to be friends with them. You wanted them to be your girlfriend. You wanted them to be your boyfriend. Whatever the case may be, you wanted to be close to them. You wanted to have that relationship with them and yet they kept you at an arm's distance. And you pursued harder and you pushed harder. And they kept you at a distance. 
For some of us, we may have finally broke down that wall, right? And our, and our wife finally caved and she's like, all right, right? But for some of us, right, that may not, that, that relationship, whether it's with a family member, a best friend, whatever, it's always been at a distance. And it wasn't that intimate relationship. In our relationship with God, we can be like that. We have a God who wants to have an intimate relationship with us. And sometimes, sometimes we just want to stand back and push him off, hold him back, keep it in arms like, God, I want you for the salvation. I want you for the troubles in my life. But there's a few areas of my life, really, God, that uh, I'd prefer to keep them because I kind of like them. I know they might not be the best, but I, I like them. So God, if you could just be over here and be the God of my checkbook when I don't have enough money, checkbook. Do we use that? How about of my, yeah, whatever, right? right? Can you be, you could be the God of that. Or God, you can be the God of my relationship when things aren't going well, right? But hold back on just a few things. Well, intimacy, we keep God there. When it comes to real life, and if I can make a comparison with us in real life, think about this. What, what happens when you find out something, when you discover something about someone, right? When you discover the truth about someone and it's not what you thought it was. It's not what you always thought that it was. Suddenly in your life, there is a break. There's something that's broken. Today is Palm Sunday, as was mentioned earlier. It's Palm Sunday. What a wonderful Sunday. So glad that you are here, right? We look forward to Palm Sunday. Why do we look forward to Palm Sunday as, as believers in Jesus Christ? Because as, as Jeff mentioned earlier, Easter is coming and, and what a great week. Resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that. And hopefully over this week, we're reminded of the Passion Week, what we call the Passion Week, the events leading up to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Palm Sunday was that wonderful Sunday where Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem, we're, we're told in Luke, as a matter of fact, the, Luke re researches this and he wants to write and he wants us to know. Luke wanted us to be aware of what had taken place. So he writes an account and he goes back to let everybody know this. And he says this, as, as, he, as he approached, it's Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday today, all right? As he approached Jerusalem and that is Jesus and he saw the city, he wept over it. Palm Sunday, because as he enters Jerusalem that day, he enters triumphantly. The people are screaming for him. They're shouting Hosanna, which to us today is a religious term. But at that time, it was not a religious term to them, but rather it was a term of, hey, save us, rescue us. All right, it was religious as well as national. They wanted their national, they wanted their national, Lism back. They wanted to become their own nation. You're the Messiah. Free us from Rome. Free us from the oppression of Rome. Bring us back to the great days when David and Solomon were king here, right? That's what the idea is that they're celebrating. And they laid palm branches down for him to come through on. That's us. We get our term Palm Sunday. But Jesus, as he sees the city, he weeps over it. And he tells them, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace? And Jesus was talking about peace with God. Restore that intimacy with God. Bring them back to in tune with God. Bring them back to a situation where they are thankful and happy and rejoicing. 
during this week, during this Passion Week that is coming up, all right, this is what's going to happen to him, all right? Jesus is going to learn the truth. He's going to get to see the inside part of his disciples as they all run. He know, he, by the way, none of this was a surprise to Jesus, right? I don't think he's sitting there, ooh, that surprised me. I wasn't aware of that, right? I don't know that God has ever really said, really? <laughs> Didn't know that, right? God's never said that. And Jesus wasn't surprised here. But, but we learn, and in our humanness, we learn and we see. But his disciples, they all flee. Hang on, we were all gonna go with you to the death, and they meant it. They weren't being wimps, they, they meant it. And then suddenly things go wrong, and they're, whoo, we're out of here as quick as we can be. The truth about Judas, he's a traitor. He's interested in money. We're in about Pontius Pilate, right? It's displayed right there in front of him. All right, the Jewish people. Yay, here he comes. We're thrilled with him. Boo, crucify him four days later. Right, that's what it was. Other followers of Jesus, those that had followed up with him and were so excited about it are now scattered and they're afraid. And understandably so, because when the Roman world crucifies someone, you're not lining up saying you want to be next. You're like, I don't know that I even knew the person. Thus, Peter, I don't know who he is because I don't want to be crucified. I want away from here. How about the religious leaders? The religious leaders, they were the ones that were trying to protect the truth. They were trying to hold on to the truth and they're looking there and they're like, crucify him. They're, they're stirring up the dissension. And what does all this cause in our relationship? When we see this brokenness, when there's a break in the intimacy with, with our relationships, there's distancing, right? You know that, a distance, Disso disassociation. Oh, I'm not going to associate with those people anymore. I'm not going to associate with that person anymore. I know the truth about them. They're shaming, right? Some of you, you, you know that. You experience that in the social media world even, right? Where there's a shaming of that. And, there's just, and then there's outrage. You just become so angry. So what, that's what we do when we find out the truth about someone else. But what do we do if the truth is found out about us? Wow, that's hard. I step back. I, I'm not certain I want people to know the whole truth about me, right? I like it when they know the Facebook truth about me because I look really good on Facebook, right? Um, I can look really good on social media. I can do really well on that. As a matter of fact, Matthew McConaughey, I'll put his picture up there of me. I'm pretty similar, I think. <laughs> no, right? But we become broken. And we have a great passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning, found in Psalm 30, 139, Psalm 139. And it's by one of the greats of the Bible. It's David. And David gives emotion through the Psalms. He is so good at displaying emotion. David, a strong man's man kind of guy, all right? And yet a guy who is broken, a guy who can have an intimate relationship with his Lord, a guy who's there like, God, you know me. A guy who has said he is a man after God's own heart. A guy who has sinned. A guy who has evil that exists in his mind. A guy that looks over and he has lust for a woman, right? We, we can experience that. A guy that when he becomes angry because somebody didn't do what he wanted them to do is going to go down and kill his whole family. That's this David. And yet his words here, he says this right here in Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. As he talks with God and as he wants to display his relationship with God, he wants him to know, you've searched me and you know me. 
He continues on and he says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. God, you're aware when I sit. You're aware when I stand up. You know my thoughts. You see them from a distance. You discern, he continues, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. David's given, in, given us the insight of what God is to him, how it is that God is aware of everything that he does. God, you're aware of my plans for today. You're aware of my plans for the week. You're aware of what it is that I'm looking forward to do. You're aware of what it is that I'm keeping hidden. I don't want anybody else to know about this. And it's not because it's a birthday party coming up. It's because you don't want anybody to be aware. You don't want anybody to know because if they knew that about you, oof, that would crack. And that's the difficult part of life for us, right? He continues on and he says this, before a word is on my tongue, before I spoke a word, hang on, what? Before I cursed out my boss, you knew it? God, I wouldn't have used such language in front of you. Before I spoke that way about my friends, before I spoke that way about, about the person, my neighbor, my parents, my children, you knew those words were gonna come out of my mouth? Wow, God, if I was aware of that, maybe I'd hold a tighter rein on that. You, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. God, you're in front of me. I try to move forward, you're there. I try to go backward, you're there. Wherever it is that I want to be, you're there. Such knowledge, guess what, God? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God, you are so great. Your knowledge is up here, and I'm just a mere man. He continues on. Where can I go from your spirit? I want to run away from you. I just want a break from you. Can I just get a break? Can I get in my car and drive away and have that freedom? Can I drive off into the country? Where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go, from the, if I go up into the heavens, right? If I take my jet airline up into the heavens, David, no, I didn't, didn't have one yet. But if I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the morning, right? If I'm getting up nice and early, God, I want to get up. Maybe you're not up yet. Nope, you're already there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, is that where the sun is setting? If I settle as far away for the, I, I can't get away from you there. You're even there. Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me. Look, I can go into the darkness, night. There's no light. I can get there. No, the light becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. God, you created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. The picture that David is writing, the picture that David is painting for us to see here is one that where he is using great language to go to great depths of describing a God who knows and is aware of us. He knows exactly who we are. And he knows what our sins are. David's there. God, you're there. You know. You're aware. You're ready. Guess what, God? When I, when I want to bow to pray and I'm full of greed in my own heart, I can't hide that from you, can I? You're aware of it. God, when I'm full of lust, you're there. You're aware of that. 
And you know that. God, when I'm full of jealousy, because everybody else, their, their life seems to be going so well and mine doesn't. You're aware. I can't hide it from you. God, when I'm coveting something, I covet these things, ah, whether it's a relationship or just things, you're there. You know that. As I mentioned before, when we take that to prayer in God, it's like he's never, he's never said, really, I, I didn't realize that about you. He's aware, and yet he's still knowing who you and I are. He still desires a relationship with us. David continues on a little bit later in that passage. He continues down with some more just words of emotion, but he gets to the end and he says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, search me and know me. I want you to come in. I want you to look. I want you to see what is in me. I want you to take a look at my life. I want you to know who I am. David's looking to have a restored relationship with a God because God already knows, but David's saying, you know what, God? I want my relationship with you to be a right relationship. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, take a look at my life. Look into the depths of it. See what it is. See what is there. Why does David say that? Because he's aware of this in his life, that unrepentant sin, and this is true of you and me, unrepentant sin creates barriers in my connection to God. Right? Sin becomes a barrier, not because of God, because of us. Why do I say that? Because God provided the way for us to get back to him. So we, we want to guard, we want to protect, or we're more fearful. We're so anxious. We're like, well, God can't accept me because of, right? And we put ourselves in that sort of situation where we're thinking that it's me that is there in control. God did it for us. And David's saying, guess what? Look, God, search me. Know me. What did, David, what did David know about this idea of barriers, that sin creates barriers in our lives? He knew that because in Psalm 66, he had said these words right here. If I cherish sin, if I hide sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Sometimes songs really, songs really catch you. And there's a song that I was thinking about this week. Um, I, I don't know if you were a Darius Rucker or a Hootie and the Blowfish fan. If you're not, you should be, all right? All um, right. But a number of years ago, Darius Rucker sang the song, um, If I Told You, right? I, I don't know, any of you familiar with that song? Right? In that, he says, he says this, what if I told you that I lost my faith? Would you have anything to do with me? Right? And it's sung as a love song, but he's there like, what if I told you the mess that I can be when there's no one there to see? And he goes on with the chorus and says, would you look the other way? Would you love me anyway? And that's our God. Our God looked down and he sees us in our brokenness. Why? Because he knows that in our weakness, his glory can appear. Guess what? When I'm here in my strength, when I am proclaiming how wonderful Joel is, you guys are all there like, he's pretty here. <laughs> I have one fan. I appreciate that. There you go. No, right? That reflects me. 
Nobody cares. Thank you. <laughs> but we would prefer to reflect the greatness of God. Why? Because in my weakness, God is great. In my weakness, Paul says it that way, right? Paul says, in my weakness, I am strong through Jesus Christ. And it's in our brokenness. When we say, God, would you love me anyway? And he answers yes. And he answers yes, which brings us back to the Passion Week and to Palm Sunday and to this week that is moving forward. As Jesus walked through this week, he was going to have a dinner with his disciples. And when they all joined together for this dinner, the Lord of this world bows and washes the feet of the men that are going to run and desert him. The God of the universe in human form. And on that night when they were together, while they were there eating at this dinner, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. He said, which is broken for you, right? Why did he do that? He did that so that we would be aware. Why? Because he's trying to bring back that intimate relationship so that we can be in tune with God. Pastor Tim is going to come in a little bit and he is going to lead us in this communion portion and just highlight a little bit more about our relationship, God searching us and knowing us. Then he took the cup, we're told, right? Matthew tells us this, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Why did he do that? Exactly, hallelujah, because God wanted to restore intimacy with us. He wanted to bring us back into relationship. He wanted to put us in tune with him. Why? Because the sin that is inside here, all right, is what breaks me and keeps me from God. And I won't be over this until I am with him forever and ever. But now, guess what? He has restored that with me. Why? God's love breaks down the barrier sin creates, right? See, unrepentant sin might create those barriers, but God's love is able to break through. And that's the love that Jesus Christ came to display. We look for the power of God. We look for him to show up in the stars and in the, sun, in the heavens. God, just tell me. And sometimes he comes to us in the stillness and quietness of a meal which was a representation of something that had happened in the nation of Israel thousand years before, over a thousand years before. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is given for you, which would have sounded strange to those disciples on the night that they heard that. They're like, what? No, 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 no. This, this is about Moses leaving Egypt. But guess what? Three days later, they suddenly understood when they saw a resurrected Savior. It was his body. It was his blood. And guess what? He knows who we are, and he loves us anyway. If you would pray with me, please, before our band comes back, they're going to lead us in some song, and then we're going to share around this communion idea. 
God, as we close our time now, I want to say thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. I want to ask God that you would bless, that you would encourage, and that you would lead us. Lead us in our relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to love you. Help us, Lord, to desire to serve you. But God, help us to be thankful that we have a God that desires to have a relationship with us. God, you desire to be in tune with us and knowing that we could not do it ourselves, you did it for us through Jesus Christ. And we say thank you for that. And Lord, I pray now that even as we close this time, that as we close our service together, that you would bless each one here, that you would encourage them. Help us as we go through our week. May we desire, Lord, that you would search and know us. Lord, that we may have a relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.